calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Frau Pow, where your hosts, Auden Rags. So this week we're interviewing Felix, aka Kilt Trip. He has been officiating for a long time and knows the roller derby community really well. Um, he is with Gold Coast Derby Girls, who are in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and we talked to him this week about racism, discrimination, sexism, et cetera, et cetera, in the roller derby community. Um, this is coming after an incident at the East Coast Derby Extravaganza, or ECDX. And we talk all about it. We want to share it with our listeners and stay on top of racist bullshit. Uh, my derby name is Kilt Trip. Uh, my real name's Felix. Um, it depends. Most people that know me, who see me in photos and know me primarily on social media, I use Facebook, they usually will refer to me as Felix. Most people I've officiated with will definitely refer to me as Kilt. Um, I've been officiating since, oh gosh, it's been a minute, uh, 2010, back in, I think October was my first game. So I've, I've been at this for a minute. Um, Amongst the officials, uh, once you've worked uh, 300 uh, games, you you get a black cloak. So uh, I'm a <laughs> member of the black cloak group. Um, you know, I just I really enjoy it. Uh, my my home league is Gold Coast Derby Girls out of Fort Lauderdale. I live in Miami. Um, you know, getting started in Derby was also super weird. It was one of those things where I literally didn't know Derby still existed until my friend was like, yeah, I want to go try out for a Derby team. I said, you should totally go do that. Sounds great. And she insisted I go with her for moral support. So, of course, I went and they said, oh, you want to try out? And she was like, yes. And then they looked at me and they said, hey, do you want to do anything in Derby? And I'm like, nope, I'm just here for moral support. I'm going to hold my friend's purse. And then when she's ready to go, I'm just going to you know, bounce out of here. And they're like, OK, no problem. We understand. No pressure. Just go sit down at the table with those people over there. You'll be fine. So I'm thinking I'm just going to sit, you know, with friends, partners, whomever, derby players. I mm -hmm. sit down at the table. And they're like, so uh, why do you want to start officiating? And I realized <laughs> that the six people at this table are all um, league officials. 
Um, I didn't know how to skate. I referred to myself as a baby giraffe on ice. Oh yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. My um, my partner uh, who is learning how to ref is he's six one and very confident in most things except for skating. <laughs> Definitely baby giraffe on ice. I refer to myself as a drunk horse. Oh wow! Yeah, that's strong. Horses are very <laughs> strong creatures. <laughs> Why is Derby important to you? You said that you sort of just kind of sat down at a table and got accidentally like subsumed into this community. Um, and now that you've been in it for, you know, nine years, um, why is the community and the sport so important to you? Um, so little heady and it may even come off. I don't know. I, I hope it comes off as genuine as I feel it. But, um, you know, growing up in South Florida and being African-American, um, I was always surrounded by women. Like I have so many aunts, I can't stop counting them. Um, and so a lot of my role models were always women growing up. Um, you know, so then when those opportunities come up for Derby, it created a very unique opportunity for me. Like I didn't know Derby was a safe place. Like, I didn't know what that term meant, but I acknowledge that that's what Derby was and put me in a very unique position where often, you know, just being an African-American people, you know, they make assumptions about you. Um, you don't belong. You are always somebody who stands out. And the application of real world laws are almost never like appropriately <laughs> applied evenly across, you know, all races, backgrounds, genders um, in America. And to be an official, to be able to say, hey, like, you know, I can I can be an official. I can be someone who enforces the rules and like, you know, get it right, you know, and it sounds so like so like on the grand scheme of things, like it's like maybe a point two <laughs> in terms of its importance. Mm -hmm. But being able to be a figure of authority but still like, you know, acknowledge the fact that I'm, you know, I'm not the sheriff. Like my job is, my job is to be here and help facilitate the game. That was something that like gave me so much enjoyment. So, um, speaking about being a referee and also being African-American, um, we know that refing is pretty hard, you know, and is, did you find that it has been especially difficult due to your skin color or, you know, did you find that refs were more accepting because of your skin color? Um, so here's the interesting thing. Um, prior, like outside of Derby at the time, um, I, I worked in law. I was a legal clerk. So I was pretty normally, you know, regular to wearing a suit, showing up to the courthouse um, and assisting an attorney, you know, often you know, just wearing a suit. I was always used to code switching. I was always used to being the odd man out and always being able to kind of spot amongst the group of people like, okay, these people are probably who you should approach. I, I will definitely admit um, starting out, especially, and I, I'd like to believe, <laughs> this is me being idealistic. I like to believe that the off-puttingness that I initially felt stemmed from Back in the day, a lot of officials were referred to as the good old boys club, a lot of highly certified officials. And they pretty much looked down on anyone who they felt wasn't taking Derby serious. Um, mm -hmm. And when you start out, you're very much so in that boat. And so there was always subtext of, 
are you uncomfortable that I'm speaking to you as an equal or are you uncomfortable that an African-American male is challenging you in a sport where you hold such a high level of, you know, authority Mm -hmm. that that's you're so caught off guard, like, well, no one speaks to me like this. I'm so and so. Um, And I I had a couple of headbutting situations like that. But because of guess what? I've had 30. I'm 33 years old. I've had 33 years of being black in America. So I'm used to those awkward situations. So sometimes even for me, it's sometimes not easy for me to see the racial undertones that exist just because I deal with it every single day that it's I like to believe that more often than not, it's just an individual questioning my qualification to communicate to them on the on the same level. I'll, I'll give them that courtesy. You know, I just I think it's really interesting. The Derby community likes to really tout itself as this really inclusive community. And this is something that um, Rags and I talk about pretty frequently, that there's just that doesn't mean that we have we have everyone represented all the time. Um, And it just gets a little frustrating because I for me, I'd love to see more melanin on our team or just like more (laughs) more diversity on our team and in our like region. Yeah. And that's not to say that our region isn't diverse. Yeah. I just think that in our area, there's a lot of issues of accessibility when it comes mm-hmm. to inclusion in sports. Uh, pretty much what you said is is the same. Um, when you look for, you know, equity amongst um, people of color at the highest level of officiating, good luck. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, sit here and pull out a finger and abacus and start counting us all up. But there's an incredibly low number of us. Um, it is very easy to go to a playoff and see no African-American officials. Um, you may still, you'll always, at this point, we're getting better. Um, you will generally see a people of color, but you'll see very few African-American um, officials. Um, you know, I just call it what it is. You know, myself on the East Coast, I'm pretty well known because I travel up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. On the West Coast, Al in your grill, travel a lot, um, but not really, you know, he has to pull back in his own way. I think you'd find more um, African-American non-skating officials at the tournament level than skating officials, for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess that's a good segue. I want to hear from you about what happened at ECDX. Um, so there are a couple instances, and I'll just keep it brief. Um, throughout the course of the weekend, um, there are very few skaters of color that uh, participate in Derby. Uh, ECDX, it is a mixture of all types of games, juniors, men's, women's. Um, one of the few teams in for women's play that predominantly has women of color, um, which is Atlanta out of a 14-player roster. I believe eight of them on the charter are people of color. Yeah. So you have that situation. And not just in the game that I worked, but across the weekend, they had instances where they felt othered. They felt that either one, um, they were issued penalties incorrectly. Um, two, there were instances where the way officials communicated to them, both on skates and off skates, um, was not consistent with the way that uh, white skaters had been addressed. Um, you know, and it's hurtful to hear that because, again, I've been doing this so long. I know a majority of the officials that work this event. And you know what? If you love your friends, you got to hold your friends accountable. Yep. And that's ultimately what this is about. Um, it's not just this one event, but specifically what brought this about was just the way that Atlanta felt after that game. Right. These are, you know, heavy games, very emotional games for them. They fought so hard, you know, to come back up and be what they are. Um, This has been a known issue in terms of, 
you know, and there, there are macro examples, um, often using the example of referring to a skater as black when neither team is wearing black. That's a real on the face one. And the example I use because I wanted it to be, you know, applicable where officials could take a step back or even just people could take a step back, really imagine themselves in that situation. But there are many instances far worse than what I described that have occurred over the years. Um, you know, obviously, African-American officials and people that participate in Derby, we have our own safe space. Um, obviously, I can only speak so much to the conversations that occur there. But often, you know, whenever something happens like this and people need a, a place to vent or communicate with each other, you know, that is a forum that that occurs in. And there have been instances where officials that I know, like officials that I would consider friends, mm-hmm. you know, have have done this. And because I've been doing this so long, I know a lot of officials. So it's always disheartening for me because what I'm now st- in the situation of is, well, I'm not going to invalidate someone's experience. I know that this happened. I'm just upset because I don't believe it would have occurred if I was there. And that was a, the mindset I always had. Yeah. It wouldn't occur if I was there. Um, but then, you know, in that particular game, in the game in question, I mean, anybody can watch the footage. It's not that big of a deal. Um, was Atlanta versus Gotham at ECDX, mm-hmm. and there were it was a <laughs> it was a very high level game. So you know, a lot of you know kinetic hits, a lot of cerebral gameplay, you know, um, just a lot of jammer engagements and recycling and things like that. And even within myself, you know, when you're that focused as an official and you're really like honed in on, on your area. In that particular game, I was an outside pack ref. I noticed a handful of instances of what they described the color instances, but the one thing that I can speak to, and it was present in this game, other games is there would be instances where a skater, um, didn't agree with a call and it happens, happens in every game. Yeah. Um, but being able to read the subtext and body language that's under that is also kind of disheartening um, because you'll have instances where, um, you know, white skaters disagree with the call and they're skating in the box. They're not being insubordinate or anything like that. But that look in their face of, well, I disagree with that official, you know, and I'm going off to the box. So be it. Um, there would also be instances where players from Atlanta and um, who were black would also have instances where they wanted to contest or say like, I don't think you're right on that, but you could even see it in their teammates, like, let it go, you know, just go to the box and to have that mindset to know that there are skaters on the track that don't feel comfortable being able to even ask simple questions, you know, what was the impact? Where did I initiate? Where was the blocking zone? Um, you know, why did you make that call? Were you in position to make that call? Those are conversations that I've had with countless other skaters over many games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that in my experience, it is not often that I will have African-American skaters um, kind of vo- vocalize that. I mean, they will to me because I'm killed. They know me. But there are instances where, you know, if it happens and I'm not involved in it, they may not feel comfortable to voice that for fear of gaining additional penalties. Because it's it's one thing to say, like, someone calls you black when you're not wearing black. It's another thing when someone calls you a completely different player number. They have yeah. literally superimposed another human being's identity onto you or vice versa, where there was an instance where a skater was called on a penalty. They didn't even participate in the jam. 
What? And when I heard it, I was like, oh, that must be a mistake. You know, you, you hear a lot of things and often as officials will vocalize something incorrectly, realize it, you know, at a reasonable decibel to the skater, say what the correct thing is and then make sure it's recorded correctly. Right. Um, so I just figured it was one of those instances. I'm prone to doing it as an official often. But then finding out like that wasn't the case, like some people who didn't deserve penalties picked up penalties for other players. And that's that's always rough. And what it is, is people have to acknowledge, they have to take that moment back to really just take a step back and say, you know what? I messed it up. Um, I need to own up to it. I need to, you know, take that moment between a jam and tell the skater, you know, I made that error and then move forward. That's something that needs to occur. And the thing about it is so many people are like, well, you know, where, where's the WFTDA? Why isn't there, you know, a rallying cry to get this resolved? And I do agree that, you know, as a governing body, obviously a certain level of, um, responsibility does come to the governing body. But, you know, we have to take into consideration we're all adults here with this isn't junior derby. Like we have to be able to take responsibility for our own actions and there should be guidelines from the governing body. We have to make sure that people feel heard because if people don't feel heard, you know, they'll internalize it. And then that expresses in all kinds of ways. Right. Yeah. And I think what I just... For me, I wasn't surprised about what I heard about ECDX, what happened at ECDX, and um, just extremely disappointed. Um, again, because Derby is like, oh, we're so inclusive, you know, everybody can be a part of it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like you were saying, in both instances, that it's just replicating um what we see outside of our community and replicating institutional uh, racism or discrimination and bias, um, you know, just giving power, ultimate power to authorities without being able to check it. And when people in power are ten are privileged parts of privileged groups, then they are just going to hold on to that power uh, and it just sort of is this horrible, awful cycle. And I hate to, I think what really upset me the most is that just to see that being replicated within my community that prides itself on being friendly. Um, I can't say, stop saying the word inclusive. I wish I knew about the <laughs> word, but like, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. So I just, I don't know. I think that's what really made me the most mad is like, yeah, like people, once skaters say something and they're not listened to, especially in these cases where it involves any type of bias, like and the officials, there isn't anything to do with the officials making bad calls. Like it fucking sucks. And especially when it has to do with your skin color or your gender or whatever, uh, it makes me real mad. Well, with odds rant right there. Um, it just, you know, we all go to Derby to kind of escape our mm -hmm. everyday lives like derby is a perfectly good escape escapist tactic you know um and i can only imagine you know people who are escaping to derby to you know forget about their everyday struggles of skin color and sexuality and gender and the xyz things that kind of set you apart from every quote-unquote everyday society mm -hmm. and then being reminded of it while yeah, you're yeah. in your safe space safe space and i'm and it's just what makes me also angry is that we were at um, a derby game and one of the teams that was at this event, they um, received a, 
what is it called? A sanction? No, that's what we do with games. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um they were they a received warning. a warning um from okay. the officials. Um and they reported to Wufta for making some very uh biased and discriminatory remarks about players on another team. And that to me, mm. I was like, okay, this is the governing body working for the skaters and trying to make sure that we have a really safe environment. Mm-hmm. But when it was the other when it's the other way around, like what the fuck are you gonna do? Right. Yeah. And honestly, that's that's the question. Um, you know, it's one thing where everyone says, you know, it started in Derby. Hey, how can we make this more accessible? What can we do to spread Derby? You know, we need more member leagues, you know, starting, you know, WF today, 13, 15 founding member leagues to now well over hundreds of leagues across the planet. You know, Derby has become bigger. And so the bigger it becomes, the more likely it is to absorb aspects of our society that we generally don't like. But there's no there's no way to um, there is no way to bar it wholesale. There's no way to say, well, that doesn't happen here. It does happen here. It happens everywhere. Um, And so you have to do the opposite. You have to confront it when you see it, Um, you know, and again, because of who I am, it's very difficult for me to to be in those instances. You know, I hear accounts, you know, from players and I'm just like, everything you described is so intrinsically against what the job of, of an official is. Like, that sounds so bad. I want to just take that, you know, official's, you know, uniform and just burn it and be like, you're done here. Um mm-hmm. You know, but that you can only do so much by ostracizing. There is no there is no no justice. There is no prison that we can send someone to in Derby. The only form of equitable justice we'll ever have is restorative justice for the offender to acknowledge what they've done and then try to reach a reconciliation with the person that was victimized. Like, that's it. That's realistically the only thing that can be done. You can file a police report for assault. You can't really file a police report for hurt feelings. Um, yeah. And it sucks, it sucks because, like, mental trauma is very long-lasting and just as bad as a physical wound, but there are no statutes for that. Um, yeah. So, you know, where do we go from here? And I think it really requires every league to kind of take a moment and step back and say, okay, let's have a conversation, but more importantly, make sure that people of color are involved in those conversations. Yeah. But also at the same time, if your league only has one person of color, you know, don't put it on them. Don't be like, hello, black friend. Hello, tell me token, about the black experience. token black person. Please tell us. Exactly. Um, and it's the same way, you know, the same way somebody would react if they were to say, hello, one trans member of our league. Tell us about trans problems. It's like, oh, gosh, no one would ever do that. So mm-hmm. why would you do it with a person of color? And then yep. like the brain kind of explodes, because I think because of how violently society reacts with regard to issues of uh, gender nonconformity, queerness, um, you know, we are much more protective because the violence that's visited upon people. But let's also take into consideration uh, there's a great deal of violence that's visited on trans women of color you know and at oh, the end of the absolutely. day the, the the catalyst for that is their color you know and then the fact of their otherness through you know gender expression you know tries to help people validate the violence that's visited upon them so we have to take a step back and really try to make derby less of a safe place and more of an intersectional place you know if it's not intersectional it's not feminism yes rags and i have talked about this before but like recruiting um 
more skaters of color, but it is, you know, on every level, people need to be included and recruited Mm -hmm. and that, yeah. So I think that recognition thing is like a really big piece, especially for the roller derby community, but then also that, um, really trying to make actual genuine efforts Yeah, that mean something. And I think that goes hand in hand with the recognition because I've, I've heard, I mean, not just in Derby, but in general have heard a lot of really empty ideas because it Mm -hmm. feels like you're like checking a box. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that makes it so precarious, um, you know, I, I often make the context of, um, men are problematic. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm glad Facebook can't get rid of my audio, but yeah, men are trash. Um, And we have these instances where the only people that can address men's issues at the end of the day are other men. And the same thing holds true when it comes to issues of race. Um, You know, trying to have a conversation with white individuals or people that are ethnically perceived as white um, and then expressing, you know, the privilege they have just because you were just born that way. You know, and then people feel like, oh, well, should I feel bad about my privilege? It's like, no, but you can use that as a tool to like make the world a better place that you claim and trying to have conversations with certain individuals. I'm going to be real. You know, I've, I've done this for a very long time. There are numerous officials and players who when they are confronted about their actions, instead of saying, oh, I made a mistake, double down. Oh, well, I'm being persecuted. And you know how much I've done for this league or how much I've done for the organization, you know, where mm-hmm. they start trying to throw their weight around. And that that level of like white fragility, it's like, well, maybe this is a conversation that, you know, white people need to have with each other and say, like, hey, you know microaggressions, you know, touching people's hair, saying, oh, you're, you know, you're the whitest black person I know. Like that is, that is ultimate cringeworthy. I'm going to be real. When people say that to me, I file them away in a box in my mind for the rest of my life where I'm like, okay, so that's the, that is, that is where you are. That's, you know, like, I don't feel like unpacking that. I don't have the time for it. I just don't care. Privately, Rags and I talk about this conversation a lot about how, Um, people react when you feel comfortable enough to talk to them in that way and come to them and explain um, if something is hurtful and maybe why, if you're feeling like you have enough bandwidth to explain why it's hurtful, um, then people start yelling about policing and policing your tone, policing what you're saying, that they're not like... They don't have to be politically correct. I hear that a lot. Um, And that, like you said, like that to me, immediately, I just put them in a little box. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I just like if you're not willing to hear me out even a little bit, like you can fuck off. And I can't, (laughs) I can't do that in my way. (laughs) I can't, um, I can't, yeah, I send them to rags because I mostly about gender stuff. Like I can't deal with it. Um, I barely can figure out that stuff on my own. So I, and you shouldn't have to, that's the important thing. You shouldn't be forced to put on, you know, to wear the cloak of what, how long have we been running around this planet? 200,000 years of humanity's existence as humans or whatever. But like we have been dealing with, mental trauma to each other for so long that when you try to address it, you are wearing this cloak that is too heavy for one person to wear. So when you don't feel like wearing it, you don't got to, but you should be able to point to it. And that person's job is to figure out what to do with it, or at least clean the spot that they made dirty. Right. Okay. So uh, we don't have anything else to 
uh, add. Do you have anything else that you need to say or want to say? Not really. I guess if I leave with one quote, it'll be, be the kind of person that doesn't make other people want to quit roller derby. <laughs> uh, excellent. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That and I also go with the, you either die a hero or you live long enough to be the bad guy. <laughs> totally. I'm always down for a Batman quote. <laughs> On that note. Um, but thank you so much, Felix, for um, just like taking a chance and coming and like talking to us. We really appreciate it. Um, it was just it's good to hear, obviously, from someone in the community and someone from someone who's there. Um, and I just think I want to keep I want to keep talking about this because I feel like it died down a little bit um, and keep not specifically ED, ECDX, but um, talking about uh, the issue of like bias and discrimination in our community. So I appreciate you helping us with that. Well, I greatly appreciate you offering me the slot to speak with you. And it's good that, you know, over the years, while we've had a great mini derby podcast, that people are still taking the time to talk to people in the community, just kind of keep people humble and familiar with what's actually going on around the country. You guys have a great day, Odd and Rags. And then your silent producer in the back. She's dancing in appreciation of you saying thank you to her. Okay. Bye, dude. Have a good night. Bye. Same to you. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Kiltrip. He was a joy to have. Um, and we hope you guys are just as informed and enlightened as we are. Um, if you want to send us an email, we love love notes. You can send us an email at fraupowpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast. We're pretty consistent. Um, and we shouldn't have to say this, but... Don't be a bigot.